All right, it's the Keep to the City Yankees podcast, and Yankees baseball is back. It feels good to have Yankees baseball every day for the next six months, hopefully the next seven months, and the Yankees begin their season taking two out of three, winning the opening series of the season against the Red Sox, who they need to beat, and they need to win these games against the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays. They have to have better head-to-head records than these teams because there's no more tiebreakers for the postseason. There's no more game 163. There's no more one-game playoffs to determine who's a division winner, who's not, who's going to the wild card game, because the wild card game doesn't exist. And if the Yankees are in a situation this season like they were last season, where they tied with the Red Sox in the standings, but lost out on the head-to-head tiebreaker, they could potentially not be in the postseason altogether. So it's good that they beat up on the Red Sox this weekend. It's not so good that they could have beat up on him more. And that's what I take away from this weekend is, yes, the bullpen was outstanding. Yes, Rizzo had a big weekend. Stanton was great. Aaron Boone, of all people, was pretty solid. But to lose on Sunday Night Baseball when the game was there for the taking, when there was a win on the table against the Red Sox, a chance to sweep them, a chance to be 3-0 and going into this Blue Jays series, a chance to make the Red Sox 0-3 to start the season, huge missed opportunity. And for a franchise that has missed every opportunity, whether it's in the front office or on the field in recent seasons, just leaves a bad taste in your mouth to end the weekend. And no one wants to waste four hours on Sunday night to see the team get 16 base runners in the game, leave 13 on, hit into two inning-ending double plays, leave the bases loaded twice, have second and third with one out, not score a run. Just a lot of bad situational hitting from the Yankees, but also a lot of bad luck. They had four balls in the game with expected batting averages of 450, 560, 630, 990 that resulted in outs uh, that if those fall in, completely different game. And it didn't, and and the Yankees lose that game. Um, Certainly had a chance in the ninth with 3-4-5 up and Judge Stanton and Gallo, all three struck out against Jake Diekman, who I always want to see come into games. Don't let what you saw Sunday night fool you. Jake Diekman is a guy you want to see come into games against the Yankees. It went his way on Sunday night, made the pitches he had to make. All started with that Judge strikeout, that lengthy 11-pitch at bat, which if Judge gets on, completely different inning. Um, But he swung through that elevated fastball, and I want to see more Jake Diekman. Yankees and Red Sox have 16 games left. I want to see him in games. I don't want to see Garrett Whitlock. I don't want to see Cutter Crawford from what we saw from him on Sunday. But Jake Diekman... Ryan Brazier, yes, <laughs> bring those guys into the game. Um, the bullpen, the bullpen, fucking amazing job from the fucking bullpen. This is the best Yankees bullpen they've ever had, ever, fact. Because there is, you know, okay, it's a three-game sample size. That's not what I'm basing it on. I'm basing it on the names, whether or not they had played this weekend. Going into the season, I felt this way. There's no more Nick Nelson. There's no more Brooks Krisky. There's no... You know, Brody Corner, Justin Wilson, the the shit is gone. Even the, the the guys on the bottom of the pecking order are still reliable and trustworthy. You know, the Yankees' top pitching prospects out there, and Clark Schmidt, who was really good, gave up one hit in relief of Jordan Montgomery on Sunday night. They've got Miguel Castro now. They've got Michael King, who was great this weekend. Clay Holmes, Wandy Peralta, Chad Green, Jonathan Loizaga, Lucas Lickie, who's like a forgotten guy who had... Produced basically the softest contact in baseball last season. The bullpen is really fucking good. And then you have Roldis Chapman, who when he's on is 
arguably the best reliever in all of baseball. This bullpen is great. And they were great all week at 18 and two-thirds innings, two earned runs, a .96 ERA, a .803 whip. They pitched six hitless innings on Saturday. They allowed one hit in five and two-thirds on Sunday. Amazing job. I'm very excited about the Yankees' bullpen because I'm not really excited about their starting pitching, not because of what we saw this weekend in short starts because that was expected with the short spring training, but because after Cole... And really, Severino and Montgomery, you're banking on Tyon to give you length and Cortez. And, and that's even with Severino and, and Montgomery possibly not giving you length. Who knows? And then you've got the issue of Garrett Cole, who was atrocious on Friday. Just a fucking embarrassing performance for him. Yet another embarrassing performance against the Red Sox, a team he can't seem to pitch well against. He didn't in Houston either. He can't pitch well against the Rays or the Blue Jays or the Red Sox. That needs to fix itself. He needs to fix that. And then to sit there and make an excuse that the opening ceremonies and the ceremonial first pitch were delayed in four minutes is the reason that the Yankees were down 3 nothing, four batters into the game, and he didn't have an out. Just nonsense. Don't fucking make excuses. You have to be better than that. You have to be, both verbally and from a production standpoint on the field. Um, Rizzo, awesome weekend. You know, I wanted Freddie Freeman. I think every Yankees fan did. Everyone should want Freddie Freeman over Anthony Rizzo because he's the much better player. But Rizzo, what a start to this weekend. Very similar to what he did when he came over to the Yankees in the trade last year where he homered in the first two games against the Marlins. Then he sort of disappeared for six weeks. So that can't happen. Can't have that going on. But two big home runs for him. Six RBIs. Walked three times. Huge weekend for him. John Carlos Stanton. Becomes the first Yankee ever to hit a home run in six straight games against the Red Sox. Great weekend for Stanton, who's been great since the start of last season. And that's because he's been healthy. In 2018, he had a really solid season, but played through a hamstring injury for most of the year and had to play because Judge and Hicks weren't available. In 19, he didn't play at all. He played 18 games before the playoffs. 20, he was hurt. And then last year and this year, he's been the guy you thought the Yankees were trading for before 2018. And he always hits against the Red Sox, and that's so fucking important. So nice weekend for Rizzo, nice weekend for Stanton. Um, Boone, awesome weekend for him. Outside of Sunday, you know, Friday he played LeMahieu over Torres, right call. He battled LeMahieu fifth, right call. Pinch hit Torres for Gashioka and extras, right call. Made every single bullpen decision in the right order. Saturday, much of the same. Then Sunday comes, he sits LeMahieu, so fucking dumb. Because you got to get Hicks in there. you got to get Torres in there. No, you fucking don't. And then he ends up using LeMay, who is a pinch hitter, who drives a ball to right field. Should have been a hit. Hits it five feet to the left or the right. It is. Changes the game potentially. But LeMay, who has to play. The everyday regulars have to play. And Torres needs to play more than Hicks because you're still trying to find out what Glaber Torres is. You know what Aaron Hicks is. He's a 32-year-old guy who's always hurt. And when he's not hurt, he has so-so production. Hicks needs to be the fourth outfielder. They need to decide that. They need to commit to it. If Aaron Hicks played twice a week, no Yankees fan would have a fucking problem. But when you're forcing this guy into the lineup, which then forces someone like LeMayu to the bench, which this week against the Blue Jays is going to probably force Donaldson to the bench or, or Rizzo or someone else, that's a problem. Hicks isn't good enough. He hasn't proven enough because he hasn't been healthy and available to prove it to, to be taking at-bats from other guys. The Yankees have three good defenders. 
and Stanton, Judge, and Gallup. They don't need Hicks in the outfield. They don't need him in the lineup every day. And just needs to end. Just move on from that. Make him a, a bench guy. Make him the fourth outfielder. Everyone will shut up and be happy. Because guys do need days off, and he could be there to give them the day off. He shouldn't be there to be a guy who gets a day off. He should be the guy giving players days off. And I'm sure this week against the Blue Jays, you're going to see some odd fucking lineups because it's the Yankees and because they have 10 games and 10 days and no off day, and they're going to start to pull some shit, even though these are the fucking biggest games of the year against the Blue Jays. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if Judge doesn't play a couple of them because that's what the Yankees do, or he'll DH one, he'll sit one so Hicks can get in. I don't fucking know. But Judge needs to play. He needs to play because it's big games against the Blue Jays. He needs to play because he's the Yankees' best player. He needs to play because he personally needs to start accumulating stats because he turned down an extension that would have paid him $30.5 million for seven years starting next year. He turned that down. Would have made almost a quarter of a billion dollars to stay with the Yankees for his career, make more average annual salary than Bryce Harper and Bookie Betts. Turned it down. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't know who's telling him to do that. I don't know what his decision is, but it's the wrong decision. Has he checked out the market? Has he seen how other players are getting paid? He's also going to be 30 in two weeks. So when he starts whatever contract he gets, he'll be 31 at the beginning of next year, essentially. The first month of next year, he'll be 31. The Yankees were going to pay him for 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37. That's about where he should get paid to because he's the biggest everyday player in the sport's history. No one knows how he's going to progress or age. And for a guy who spent a lot of time on the injured list in his 20s, I don't have a great feeling that he's not going to be on the injured list a lot in his 30s. No one knows what type of player he's going to turn into. There's no comparison historically to compare him to. So I don't know what Judge is looking for. It's rumors that he wants nine years, ten years. He wants more average annual money than Mike Trout, who's possibly the best fucking player in the history of baseball. It's fucking crazy. And now Judge needs to go out and have an MVP-type season to possibly even get back to what he just rejected. The Yankees aren't giving him 10 years. They're not going to be paying Aaron Judge $37 million for his age 39 and 40 season. And if they are, that's a mistake. And I'm always pro players. Get all the fucking money. I don't care about how Steinbrenner and his money. Go pay everyone. But this was a fair offer. This wasn't Judge turning down six years, $150 million. This was him getting more average annual money at a more advanced age than Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper. It was a good deal. It was a fair deal, and he turned it down, and there's it's most likely he's going to regret that decision. And on the Red Sox side of things, you've got Xander Bogarts turning down extension, Raphael Devers not getting extended. They've got their problems as well. And uh, Mike Hurley of CBS Boston, he joined me to talk Yankees-Red Sox, talk extensions, because what's going on with Judge is also going on there. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk Yankees-Red Sox opening day, Good friend Mike Hurley of CBS Boston. Hurley, how's it going today? Hello, Neil. <laughs> I have oh, watched a long I've, day. A long I've, day. It's been a long week. I've watched like twenty hours of golf the last two days. I watched an eleven inning baseball game. I'm. I think you I deserve an award. An award for bravery. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, I'd say Garrett Cole deserves the award for going out to the mound four minutes late. 
<laughs> was that real? I saw the tweet and like a yeah. They asked real? him about it in the pro, in the press conference, post game press conference. They asked him about it, and he was like, "Yeah, they they uh, it was an unforeseen challenge that they didn't stay on time." It's like you fucking a one and twelve to one oh eight really really <laughs> made you give up fucking rockets off the wall and over the wall for, for ten minutes. <laughs> the Bogarts hit was one of the hardest hit balls I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. That that's like and that's like. Pitchers will do that, and they'll be like, oh, I was four minutes off. It's like, if he was at Fenway, he would have come out of the bullpen at the same time and sat in the dugout for how many minutes? Five minutes? How long is the top of the first? Eight minutes? Fifteen minutes? Twenty? Like, there's no routine. Shut up. Right. Pitchers are the yeah. worst. His his problem is that he just can't pitch well against the Red Sox or the Blue Jays or the Rays, so he's looking for any <laughs> excuse to get out of it. But you mentioned Orioles, Bogarts though. There. Orioles. Yeah, he does do well against the Orioles. Yeah, that's them. So, you know, he's got that going for him. But he didn't pitch well against the Red Sox. When he was on the Astros, I remember he got torched in that 2018 ALCS. So it's not, it's not like, oh, he became a Yankee and just sucks against them. But um, that always seems to be the case. I feel like like Sabathia was not good against the Red Sox for a long time. You know, they always get these big-name guys. But but on the other end of things, the Red Sox fucking can sign anybody, and they just crush the Yankees. <laughs> ever. It's really like, I mean, we've talked about this at length, both, you know, on podcasts and just to each other about, like, oh, four just changing everything. And I feel like, you know, like if, if A-Rod had gone to the Red Sox, he would, I feel like he would have been amazing. Like he would have just been out of this world. And then there's guys who go to the Red Sox. Like if the Yankees got J.D. Martinez, he'd probably suck. But he goes to the Red Sox and he becomes like the best hitter in baseball for a couple of years. So I, I just feel like that's just the way it's gone for the last 20 years. They did, two. though. They did get Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez. And so yeah. the, they, they had some blips on the radar. But I mean, to be well, Gonzalez fair, Gonzalez was Adrian, good in one year. Yeah, but to his credit, like, it's not his fault that God didn't have it in his plans for him to be, you know, That's good true. in September of 2011. It's not his Plus fault. Plus the schedule. They played some night games and had a fly. Right. So, a lot I mean, of national TV games. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, right. what can you say? It's not his pro- It's not his fault. It's can't God's blame plan. him for that. God's and Carl plan. Crawford, remember, he used to write that blog on uh, ESPN Boston about, like, <laughs> after every, like, <laughs> week or whatever. And it's just like, dude, oh, my God. What a he, loser. He was bad. He was bad. But yeah, for the most part, those guys, you know, they've 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 hit on a number of guys. But I think you were going to bring up Bogarts. It was funny today, from a Red Sox perspective. Like you weren't watching the Red Sox broadcast, but like Dave O'Brien and Dennis Eckersley, I would say like half of their conversation was about Bogarts' endeavors not having contracts. Like that's opening okay, well, day you in Boston. Should have been watching the Yes Network because they they went on uh, the broadcast at 11 a.m. The games at one. For for the two hour pregame show, like it's the Super Bowl, they talked about Aaron Judge's contract extension for probably ninety of the hundred and twenty minutes. Then the other another fifteen minutes of it was a Brian Cashman press conference in which he talked about Aaron Judge's extension. And then the other fifteen minutes was like interviews from spring training talking to Judge about the extension. And I was this is what I was going to talk about with Bogarts because Bogarts he turned down a Red Sox extension, right? And yeah. and yet. They're pulling him for a fucking defensive replacement in the late innings as a shortstop. No, like, he is got that hurt. what happened? He got hurt. Oh, because that's on what that, Yes said. No, on Michael the RBI. Michael was like, they pulled De- Devers for, for defensive replacement. In my head, I'm like, this guy should probably take the fucking offer if he's not even playing yeah. nine innings. No, he pulled his hamstring or had like a, a Oh, okay. A that's cramp. not what Yes told us. Yeah, no, don't listen to Yes on that one. It, not on the RBI, Mike OK was wrong about something. But. That, that 10th inning single in the left field. You could see right out of the box that like it like grabbed at him, but he stayed in the game. And then there was the force out. It was a double play to end the inning, I think. And he slid yeah. in the second and like couldn't get up. So yeah, that oh, was okay. It was not. Well, I it missed not, that because I was listening to Michael K. Tell me just false information. 
I mean, it was pretty clear. Like, you don't pull Xander. I mean, he's not an elite shortstop. Well, yeah. Well, at he's first, good. I was. I know he's obviously. You know, not. I don't watch them every single game, but I've seen him enough, and you know, no defensively, he's not the best. So then, in my head, I was like, "Geez, like that's a fucking that's a ballsy move to pull that guy from the fucking game for defense." But it makes yeah, a lot no. more sense. But what was you know, I've known he's turned down the extension, but what was the, the extension he turned down? Because obviously the Red Sox always fuck over everyone, so I'm sure it wasn't exactly right. in his favor. Unlike New York's general manager who just threw the actual numbers out there of his offer, <laughs> which is like banana land. Because he just wants everyone to crush Judge instead of crushing Hal. He's, I don't know how he's had that job for so long, Cashman, that is. But because he took over... Uh, it's like it's like if you. It's been so long though. Like if, we're talking about Gene Michael. Like, this, it'd be like it'd be like if if um you know you were on House Hunters one upon, once upon a time. It'd be like if you built the house right, but then someone else came and lived in it and they acted like they built the house. Like that's essentially yeah. what happened because he yes and, and then the Cashman like fan club will tell you well he was an assistant GM he was there making the decisions too but like everybody with when it comes to Cashman they want to say like. The pro Cashman guys want to say, oh, well, he helped build that team. And then the other guys, you know, say, well, no, he wasn't the GM. And then you'll have people say, like, oh, well, he wanted to do this move. And George wouldn't let him do this. But it's like, you're talking you about have the, the GM mid-90s. title, you're the GM. No, I know. <laughs> this, was tw- this was 24 years ago. So, like, and <laughs> like, then they and they won three times in four years with him. And then now, since 2003, they've been to the World Series once. Like, it's been a long time. It's That's a long time ago in sports to, to keep your job when you had success two decades ago. It's insane. Like, even, like, the Celtics and Celtics culture is very, like, job for life. There's not a lot of criticism. And, like, Danny Ainge essentially got fired last year because he hadn't won a championship in, whatever, 12, 13 years. They weren't progressing. It's like, if the Celtics can move on from Danny H., who was, like, a championship player for them, yeah, like, the Yankees like can get a, a GM. Yeah, it's, it's, they, it's insane. They got this, so Cashman, like, was an intern with the Yankees because he knew the Steinbrenners, like, through a family friend, got an internship there, like, doing, like, security overnight at, like, the, like, the spring training facility, worked his way up in through the front office, and, you know, eventually, with Hal taking over, see, the problem is Hal Steinbrenner doesn't give a fuck about the on-the-field product. He cares about the revenue and the profit. And so if it's easier for him to keep everything status quo as long as the Yankees are continuing to make money. If people stop going to the games and stop buying shit and spending $53 on four beers at the game, like then maybe he'd be like, oh, well, I got to change shit up. But as long as they keep making money, he's like, why would I change it? I, I'm, I don't care about baseball. I'm a businessman and business is good. So what you're saying is he's Harry Sinden. Yeah, essentially. But what like... Maybe worse. Not worse. Well, I mean, Harry Sinden was worse. pretty fucking bad, but but I know for anyone listening that that doesn't follow the Boston Bruins front office, Harry Sinden was the GM for like thirty five years, and uh, <laughs> yeah, like, just an <laughs> insane amount of time. Jeremy Jacobs, the owner, loved getting the playoff gate. They made the playoffs every year. They had like an eighteen year streak until Steve Casper ruined it in like ninety seven. Like yeah, that that uh, was all that was the business. But I don't know. I wanted to bring this up with you later, but I might as well do it now to just derail your conversation. Because it's like, I'm in Boston, where Patriots fans are having a tough time, like, seeing the reality of what their football team is now. And, like, like last week, this came out, like, uh, Bill Belichick's record drafting wide receivers, and it's horrible. And so many Patriots fans are like, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, guys, you are every other team right now. You are not any yeah. better. You got blown out by the Bills in the playoffs. And I just feel like the Yankees should be, they should have a higher 
standard than the Bruins and Harry Sinden and just like having like being good enough to get along. And I don't know. I feel like Patriots fans are in for a long. You grew up seeing the Yankees win the World Series every year, and they've won it once since then in 20 years. I just feel like the Patriots. I don't know. It's it's the same thing that's that's coming forward, and I don't know what's uh, how, how's New England. Are you are you worried about how New England handles? <laughs> I mean it? the 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 thing with the Yankees is. Well, well, to be fair, they've won it twice. In case you didn't miss, they actually did win the 2017 World Series. Um, oh, right, you're right. Yeah, they so cheated. There is, right, because I mean, Brian Cashman told me a lot. He told everyone last week the Yankees they had a World Series championship caliber team, which is as good as winning it apparently. So they actually won a lot of World Series since 2000. A lot of times they led the league in wins and then flamed out in the LDS. That did not happen. They got a, they got a championship for that, which is like. What an embarrassing statement for a guy who's had who's won five four World Series as GM like has the has the greatest team in history to his record when he talk when you talk about him as having the GM title like what a fucking loser to say that but it's also like we're talking about sign stealing like everyone's stealing signs like like relax relax bro wait till the letter comes out so for the for what your question though with the Yankees like yes growing up you know in middle school high school college like yes they were amazing they win every year you expected to win every year now it's like you still have those expectations but they're not actually putting the team together that can meet those expectations the one thing i would say is they've missed the playoffs like like they missed it in 08 they missed it in 13 14 16 so like four times since 1995 so it's not you know while uh, uh, i want to count last year i mean the wild card game yeah, okay, that's, I mean, I agree, that's not the postseason either, and the, the game was fucking over four batters in the bottom <laughs> of the first anyway, but, like, they're always, you know, 92, like, they haven't had a losing yeah. season since 1992, so, in that sense, it's like, okay, you know you're always going to have a, a spring and a summer to watch them, and, like, it might not go well in the fall, but it's always there, they've never tapered off, so, it's a little different, because I feel like when you compare it to, you know, your your football team there, like, they were really fucking bad you know a year ago this year it's like okay they got better and now but then they got their asses like they shouldn't it's crazy that that was a fucking three-point spread in that game to look back on that it's like i should be a trillionaire because like i only bet you know a one hundredth of what i should have bet on that fucking game but like but then you look around and it's like there's so many better teams than them not like talking about the bills and the chiefs like they're not gonna win for a long fucking time yeah they're the 10th best team in the afc maybe 11th And the, and the NFL is. playoffs, like, granted, the Bengals went to the Super Bowl, but, like, it, it's not like, a, oh, just get in the tournament and see what happens. It's like, no, you get in the tournament, you get your fucking ass kicked. So it's like yeah. it's not like the NHL where, you know, you could be the eighth seed, which happens all the fucking time when they make a run, like a deep run. So in the Yankees' terms, like, yes, championship-wise, they haven't done shit, but I can say, like, okay, they always win 90-plus games. They're always in it. Like, that's the one difference, I guess. Whereas, like, the Red Sox, they've won a bunch of times, but – in between all those times they win, they're like they lose. A, they're in fifth place or fourth place, and it's like a miserable year. But then they bat, and then two years later they they go on this run. They tear it all down. They just have this weird fucking thing about them. I don't know. It really is like they hired Bobby Valentine, which was great. That was a great move. And then a year <laughs> later, like they they paid some sort of capital. I don't know. They had a trade to get John Farrell out of Toronto, and John Farrell has like the acting they act like, like he's Casey Stengel. Like they're getting like the best manager in history, <laughs> and like. He's like as intelligent as a can of tennis balls. 
and they they win the World Series immediately, like with Shane Victorino yeah. and Johnny Gomes and that Mike was Napoli. A, that was the that like uh, what does everyone call this? What is it? The '67 Red Sox was the, the impossible uh, dream. The impossible dream. No, 2013 was the impossible <laughs> dream. That team was so fucking bad. And they beat Detroit. <laughs> they yeah, went like, to Detroit the, and beat Verlander one nothing. It was like. Right. I think Lackey pitched. I want to say it was Verlander Lackey, and they won one nothing. It's like, this is stupid. And to see, like, even the 18 team, like, yeah, they won 108 games, but it's like Ian Kinsley, wait, 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 like, wait, wait, wait. squeaking 18, every... I think, the Detroit, I think the Detroit rotation was Scherzer, <laughs> Verlander, Anibal Sanchez. Like, and they they, yeah. beat, they won that series in six. Right. And, and, I mean, it all kind of caved in on that fucking grand slam where Tori Hunter went, like, flying over the wall. That Scherzer, was, like, the turning point. Scherzer started that game, pitched like seven innings, like one run. Yeah. He comes out. They immediately load the bases. Uh, who was the reliever? Who It was the first pitch. And like Ortiz, like what else is Ortiz doing? He's studying. Like he knows every right. single Detroit reliever. So he's like, this guy's going to do this. And it was just, it was like whiffle It was ball. the most obvious <laughs> like result of an at-bat in history. And uh, the 18 team, I mean, they won 108 games, but like they tore, it was a whole different team. And and then CC Zabathia's podcast, he he talked about this after the one game playoff. Like he was like, you know, Boston, like they they fucking tear their core down, they build a new core in like ten minutes, and, they, and like it's fucking it's pretty crazy. And so when they don't pay Mookie bets, which is just a cheap ass move, it's like you can't defend that. But like then they'll just they'll just go find two shit guys, and then somehow they fucking just turn it on. Like Hunter Renfro, how did they like move on from him? That guy scared the shit out of me last year. Like and he's then, like. like well, like, he he hit, I don't even know, like, 35 home runs. And, like, I learned a lot about, like, he either hit a home run or just, like, dribbled out or struck out. So right. it was, like, it was boom or bust. But it was, like, I don't know. He was he was a, he was a pretty good find. Did they trade? Uh, I'm not in full baseball. I know they traded him for, is that what, was the Bradley deal? I already forget. Yeah, I think so. Which is weird. It's, like, you want Jackie Bradley back. The guy stinks. The Brewers, like, had him on the bench for most of last year. Yeah. Uh, he, there's another guy, Jackie Bradley's fucking oh, terrible. ALCS MVP. Right, <laughs> he was hitting a grand slam every time I turned on the TV. So it's like, it's just they've had they've had a run. But hey, I, I sometimes I think about that and I'm like, so many things went right for the Yankees in like the late '90s, early 2000s that like the Red Sox had so many things go wrong for 100 years. At some point, they were due for like a nice run, and they're on this nice run. I don't, I can see them completely regressing this year because of I feel like they overachieved by a drastic margin last year um but anyway with the bogart thing i mean he he turned down an extension judge they offered judge 30.5 million dollars a year for seven years and he and i don't know if he's not paying attention to what's going on in baseball but you have mid 20 year old shortstops franchise players not getting that amount of money and he's a right fielder who's going to be 31 next april I don't know where he thinks this money's coming from on the free agent market. Yeah, I would take that. I would take that deal if I were a judge. Especially but, if you're him who hasn't, who's missed 25% of his game since he came into the league. And he's not, like, like I mean, he's not Mookie Betts. Like, he's not no, he's a, not. a gold and lover. Mookie Betts well, well, he, was 27 not, when he got his huge deal. Judge will be 31. Like, that's a big fucking difference. Yeah. No. And Judge and is the, a great defender and an underrated defender, but, yeah, he's not Mookie Betts. He's not Bryce Harper. So... I don't know why he thinks he should be, and he was going to beat both of them with the average, you know, annual value. So it's like, what are you trying to do? It, it, two, 30.5 mil for seven years. Where, 
what are you going to do this season that, that you're going to get more money from that? And say the Yankees at the end of the year decide, like, hey, maybe we shouldn't give this guy fucking money because we have John Carlos Stanton for 33 more years, and they're the same fucking player. Like, right. maybe they – and then you lose the Yankees in your bidding war, and then who do you have? Because the Red Sox aren't going to spend – they didn't even spend on Mookie Betts. So you have, like, the Mets you're going to go to? The, the thing with Betts is you can justify not doing that contract because it's absolutely – utterly insane and it's like 45 years and a billion dollars every year and you can kind of be like okay you're not going to get into that business but if you're the red sox right and bogarts is due 20 million dollars for the next three seasons he has an opt-out after this year he's obviously opting out he probably wants i don't know 32 million for six years don't you kind of have to do do that? that Don't you have that's, to do that if you're the Red Sox? Like, like, yeah. Like, to me, I would pay. Everybody should get paid. These, like, John Henry could pay everybody on the team uh, fifty million dollars a year, and he would still be making a lot of money. So everyone's well, gotta, always like, he's oh, got to pay the Penguins now. He's got to do the Penguins. <laughs> they want a basketball team. They got the the. Soccer if I was Sidney like Crosby, the day that deal goes down, it's like I got to get the fuck out of here. But he like Al Steinbrenner could pay everybody on the Yankees, John Henry, all these guys, fifty million dollars a year, and they would still be making money. So I don't know why everyone's always saying, "Oh, Judge, he should take this." And I'm always on the player side. But for Judge, given what the rest of the market gets, you would beat Betts and Harper with the average annual. You're always hurt with oblique problems, back problems, like. like you if he goes down money. this weekend for three months, he just, just he's not going to get anywhere close to that after the season. Yeah, and then the other I have no one. Idea with, what he's doing. The other crazy thing with the Red Sox is Devers is arbitration eligible for next year. He's making eleven million this year. He's twenty five. Why not give him the ten year contract? Like, yeah, he's, he's twenty five years he's, old. He's at like Ortiz levels for me. When he comes up, I'm I. He's twenty five. He's like just starting. Run. Right. When he like, hit that home run five years ago or whatever off Chapman, it was like I was thinking, I was, I was thinking this guy's going to be a fucking problem, and he's a big problem. He has 113 home runs, and he's 25 years old. Like, even if he, I don't know, I don't know. I guess you're afraid that he like fall out of shape or something. But just from like an organizational perspective, like forget about your like smart business decisions. If you let Betts, Bogarts, and Devers all leave in like a three, four year span because you don't want to pay, it's like. I don't know. Fans will never turn in the Red Sox, but at a certain point, it's like not fun anymore. And even like a much, much lesser player, but like Ben and like the entire outfield from 2018 is gone in the World Series champion. Like you got to keep some players that people like in order to have some sort of like fabric in the community. So I I don't know what they're going to do with that for Bogarts. It's maybe they'll just wait till the end of the season with Bogarts. I don't know. I can't like, what would they have offered him if he wants 32 and he's making 20? Like, did they offer him like 22? Like, like, what could they have offered to just get an outright rejection? That's the thing. When I heard that Judge rejected it before Cashman goes on and, and tells you the exact numbers so that the public turns on Judge instead of the team, I was thinking, okay, they probably offered him 7 for 175 or something really low. And no, it was a great offer. I haven't really seen anyone say, oh, he should not accept it. So, right. But to me, the Red Sox definitely... If Bogarts is making 20, they went, yeah, they did like six for 180 or something, really. Like, no, not even. There'd be seven for 180. They, they gave him 20 something. They didn't go to 30 with him because they, they would have then had, like, why didn't you go to 30 with Betts then? He's a much better player than Bogarts. Right. 
Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, like, there's the prospect. They drafted the Marcelo Mayer kid at short, and, like, maybe maybe he'll be good. Right. Maybe Story can fill in for a year at short. Like, they seem to be moving on from Bogarts, but, like, Devers is 25 years old and just absolutely mashes, and, like, he yeah. sucked, he He's sucked defensively in 2020. You can't let that guy leave. You can't let he, him leave. He was awful defensively in 2020, the year that Cora was out, and then yeah. Cora got back in and basically, like, you know, mentally smacked him around. He had a 950 feeling. Like, he's good. He's good enough. Like, maybe he can play first. Like, you don't let everyone go. Like, I, I understand the, the the thought process of maximizing the value of guys for their first eight years, but it would be bad if they all leave. Well, the Red Sox have a history of that, and then you have Hein Bloom, who comes from the organization where the second you might make any more money, you're gone. So it's not surprising that they're doing that. I mean, he comes from Tampa where they just got rid of Blake Snell, ended up being a great move. They get rid of Evan Longoria, ended up being a great move. So it's like he comes from the notion of it's better to get rid of a guy one year too early than one year too late. And John Henry, fucking, he, you know he loves that. He loves oh, yeah. it. He, he loves that. He's back. John Henry's back. The John Lester days are back because, like, I mean, that we're doing, like, Red Sox history now. But, like, they didn't sign Lester because he was going to be 30. And they didn't want to sign him, like, a seven-year deal. They, they offered him, like... He ended up getting, I don't know, like 120 from the Cubs, like 130. Hit, the offer in Boston was like 68 million. Like it was like so offensive. Like, oh, he'll take a hometown discount. It's like, well, you have to pay the man. Like, right. but uh, yeah, the, the, it's it's not good. And then I mean, like, look, what does it get you on the pitching staff? Like, that's still the number one issue. And I do feel a little bit neutered. Like I've been neutered when it comes to like criticizing the Red Sox or being down on them because a year ago. Like, at this time of year, I remember doing Boston teams closest to a championship, and they were, like, dead last by a mile, the Red Sox were, because it was like, forget about it. They are coming off 2020. They were abysmal. They added guys like Hunter Renfro. Like, they're not going anywhere. And then they made it two games away from the World Series. So I feel, like, muzzled and neutered and afraid to say that they're going to not be good this year just because of that. But, like, the pitching staff is – Evaldi's their ace – how long yeah. how long is that going to run? Sale is broken. Uh he broke his rib throwing a baseball. So like what's going to happen? Like you're not relying on him for anything. The the you have Michael Waka, Rich Hill, like it's 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 a danger zone in the rotation. So I don't know. Today they got 5 out of Avaldi. That's going to be the best start they get for the next week until he goes 5 Why didn't week. they bring Rodriguez back? He he was solid. I mean, he always pitched well against the Yankees and I know he had bad like top line metrics but his underlying numbers were good it just seemed like odd to not bring him it's not like they had other choices yeah that's fair uh i want to get his numbers because he did get he got five years 77 yeah pretty pretty reasonable 14 million this year like it's i don't don't, start like a good three number three guy that's pretty fucking cheap yeah, he never panned into the one that he looked like his first year when he came on and had like right. he was the first person since Pedro Martinez to do this, this, and this. But um, yeah, five years, seventy-seven million seems pretty reasonable for a player of that caliber. So uh, a fair question. I don't know. Like they they got, I don't know. Like they they've they've slowly had the money come out, like the Porcello money coming off their books last year. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, the sale money comes off, and like. Those are like dumb signings. Like the the Porcello one and the price the price signing was the dumbest. I think that comes off the books next year. So I'm I think they're looking at next year as the investment year. But like you do in the meanwhile have to play and fill fill your ballpark and all that. And it it could like the the rotation should and could be very bad for the Red Sox this year. If they had won 
if Altuve doesn't hit that home run in that eighth inning of that game and the Astros are then fucked, if the Red Sox go to the World Series, I think they win. And then is that a crazier team to win than 13? No. Yes. I don't know. I mean, the tw- yes, because the 2020 team was like the worst team ever. The Bobby Valentine team was awful and where they were a waste of time. But like the 2020 team with like the empty stadium, like no one even watched. It was, I think they went 20 and 45 and that was only because they went like four and three in their last week. Like they were, they were set to have like a 310 winning percentage or something. So I would say yes, it is. And then plus they didn't really have the personnel. Like at least in 2013, they had Lester as like a legitimate number one and Lackey was back to like when he was actually good. So you, and you like got lucky with people like Jake Peavy and stuff, but still Jake for, Peavy, for, oh God. <laughs> for perspective, like you have Nick Pavetta going tomorrow and then Tanner Houck on Sunday and like Houck might be good. Who knows? But like it's, uh, he scares me. He's, he's like the oh, he looked good, pitcher yeah. that crushes the Yankees. He is like a weird delivery, right-handed, throws hard, throws sliders. He's bad news. The Yankees lose that game on Sunday night baseball. He's, I think he's Papelbon E sort of like power yeah. sort of like dead face. I don't know. Jake Peavy, did he buy a fucking duck boat? He bought a duck boat for, like, his, like, farmland and wherever he is. He puts, like, three and two-thirds innings and gave up three (laughs) runs, and he was the craziest guy for the celebration. Also, Andrew Bailey was on that team. I was on the field after they won the ALCS, like, interviewing players, and this guy's on the dugout. He's got the goggles. He's going champagne over. (laughs) Andrew Bailey. He went on the DL and, like, June and didn't pitch again. The Yankees like, signed him like three years after that, and I don't it, it, because hey, he had some success ten years ago. Here's a million dollars if you, if you make the major league roster. What a life yeah. to just be given that kind of money. Uh, I mean, and then you have a guy like Judge turning down a quarter of billion dollars. Yeah, Jake Peavy with uh, oh, yeah, twelve and two thirds innings that postseason run. He did have a twenty one ERA against Detroit, um, but that's neither here nor there. But Bringing it back a little to like where the Red Sox are and like their other like, they also finally got stability at shortstop. Like they yeah. always they they had Nomar, then they got rid of him. They won the World Series with Cabrera. Then they bring Lugo in somehow. No, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Then they bring Renteria in, which was <laughs> an abject failure. They bring Lugo in, who was an abject failure. They somehow won with him. In in thirteen, Stephen Drew was the shortstop. Bogarts came up as the third baseman. And then that offseason, they re-signed Steven Drew as the starting shortstop and made Bogarts play third. Then they traded is, him to the Yankees for Kelly Johnson mid-season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like you finally – so from 2014, as soon as they got rid of Drew, till 2022, you have, like, stability at, at a centerpiece position, high performance, all-star, leadership, face of the franchise, and it's just like you're not paying them the going rate for – like, like right. what did Correa get, 32? Yeah, with 35.1 with an opt-out, then a year, then another opt-out. He's opting out, obviously. Yeah, but, I mean, he's better. So Yeah, he's, he is. Like, and he's younger. I don't, I don't know. It just seems, I get it, I understand it's business, but I also wrote, like, a boohoo baby story today about how it's, like, insane that Tom Brady is just, like, going to own the Dolphins, and the Patriots are like, hum dee dum dee dum Like, you can't let Tom Brady go own the friggin' Dolphins. Like, like at some point. <laughs> I didn't point, see that. I didn't even see that. At some point, like I've sports... been in such baseball mode, I haven't seen anything else today. Yeah, that's that's the so story. So he he, like, he has ownership in another team. He was going to own the Dolphins, and then once, like a minority owner, obviously he's not rich enough to own the team. Yeah, uh, obviously because he's buddies with the guy who's like next in line behind Stephen Ross. But the day that 
he announced his retirement was also the day that Flores sued the Dolphins. So all the Dolphins' plans went up in smoke. Ah, I see. That makes but, a lot of sense. I, but but the point is, like, there is some level. Like, there's no such thing as loyalty, obviously. But there's just like good business, isn't there? Like keeping. Like the Yankees never got rid of Derek Jeter. Like you just something you printed don't... money for them. Right, and like there's an element of that that should factor in. Where like is Marcelo Mayer going to come up? In what do you think the Red Sox and... do? They'll just take out all the bricks and sell new bricks with people's names on them. That's true. I'm also like a scumbag. Double up on the revenue. All during the lockout and everything. I'm like these. Like I'm not. I'm not ever doing it. And two days ago, I bought Red Sox tickets. So I thought you were telling me you bought a brick. <laughs> I didn't buy a brick, but I bought third row dead center field for a Mike Trout game. So it's like I'm not really there for the Red Sox. That's pretty good. I, you you lived it up in those. You know, I mean, there's been a lot of down years really between the championships where. They're really out of it, and you're going to games for like three dollars, sitting in the best seats there. there and that was when they were still pretending like they were still acting like the sellout streak was going on. You could, oh yeah, you just put on the TV. <laughs> there's, there's ten thousand people there, and they're like the one million sellout in a row. Why wasn't Yankee Stadium like? Is is opening day not a big deal in New York? Like at Fenway, well, it's always been like a billion dollar ticket. Like what's going on there? Because a few things is well, one the weather was like shit. It was okay, but it was really windy today, and um, the game was supposed to be Thursday, so you probably have a lot of people who took the day off and then couldn't get the next day off, and they had to sell their tickets or couldn't sell them. And then if you if you noticed late in the game, it was really crowded. So I don't know if it was – there's also this huge issue at Yankee Stadium, for, if you haven't been in the last few years, where the security to get in is so crazy and it's so backed up that you have people who get in line at 1230 for a one o'clock game and they don't get into the second inning because it takes so long to go through the security system there. So that's a problem. So as it's, it's almost like a Dodgers game now where the first two, three innings, you don't see anyone. And as the game goes on, you see the seats fill in more. But if you base it on the seats behind the dugout, no one's ever sitting in there because either they're not sold because they're a trillion dollars or because (laughs) all the people they have like underneath, is like where the buffet is and all that stuff. And so the people who are who sit in those seats, they don't care about fucking baseball. So they're right. underneath eating, you know, Alaskan king crab and drinking, <laughs> you know, $30 cocktails rather than being out in the seats. But yeah, yeah. It, it was odd to see that empty. And then if you noticed in when the game was, you know, tied in, the, you know, high leverage spots later in the game, it was packed. So I'm assuming people were underneath or just took them a long time to get in. But yeah, it was it was very weird. They should fix that because, like, yeah, after the national anthem, they did like the wide shot of the entire yeah, no one there. stadium behind home plate, and there was like a hundred people there. I was like, yeah. "Is this an old shot?" But yeah, they should fix that because if you go to Fenway, like, you just walk in and they scan your phone, and then you're in the ballpark. Like, it's not it, rocket science. No, it's not. It's not like that at all. It's crazy. You have to have clear to get in. It's like an airport. It's it's nuts. And New York's the two, weirdest place, man. You people, it, you people don't even like. Like when I visit, I'm like, this is the weirdest. There's so many weird things that New Yorkers <laughs> don't even think twice about. Like you it, need clear it, to go to the baseball game. Well, yeah, it's a huge deal to get clear to go past. The, it's it's fucking nuts. The can you get you TSA pre-check at the Yankee game? <laughs> yeah, basically, <laughs> essentially. The in 2012 AL, ALDS, they played Baltimore, and it was. I forget why they did it. It was so fucking dumb. Do you remember like that year, for some reason, the lower seed got games one and two at home, and then the the better team had three, four, five. So the Yankees went to Baltimore, won game one, lost game two. So they go to New York. They win game three, lose game four. 
So there's a game five. The game four was a Thursday night. It got over at like midnight. And then they put game five at 5.05 on a Friday in New York City. The first five innings, there was 49 people at the game. And then it got more crowded. But then they win that game. And then they put the ALCS game one the next night. So it was just one series, right? And then they played the ALCS next night at 8 o'clock. It was just crazy. And you can't put a 5 o'clock playoff game in New York on a Friday out of nowhere. It was just like TBD. And then after the game, they're like, oh, it's 5 o'clock tomorrow at home. I will say, though, last year the Red Sox played the Astros on a – it was 4 o'clock on a weekday. I don't know if it was a Thursday or a Friday. I was not covering the game, but I had a pass, and I was going to a concert next door like later in the night. So I was like, oh, I'll go to the game, and then I'll just go next door. And so I was driving. I was on uh, ComAv, like going going toward uh, Kenmore Square, and I was like a block away. Uh, No, I was on Beacon Street. I was parallel to ComAv. I was on Beacon Street, and I was a block away from Kenmore Square as the first pitch came on the radio. I made it through Kenmore Square in like the third inning. Like it was like, it was the I, I didn't get into the game. I I parked in <laughs> Alston and I had to walk two miles to get there. So I don't know. I'm not. I, I didn't mean to say Boston's got everything figured out. Boston's also <laughs> Boston tends, happens to be in many regards the worst city in, in the face of the planet. So um, we've got our issues. Those midweek, those like even going to like Gillette when they play like a Thursday night game. If it's an eight twenty kickoff on a Thursday night, I have to leave my house by two to get there by four because <laughs> if i insane. leave at four if i live at four i will get there at seven forty-five. like it's our state i don't know i don't know we got problems <laughs> well, for the red sox this season last year they surprised everyone they're picked to finish fourth they finished second beat the yankees in the one game playoff upset the rays have the astros on the ropes before the altuve home run in the eighth inning of that game and then the crazy Oof. rally they blew it. um they really well, blew it before i even say it Let's go back one step. The the fucking play. I've never really talked to you about this somehow. Where I think it was Hunter Renfro. The ball like went off the wall off oh, his chest the in the seats. It's the dumbest rule I've ever seen. John Smoltz was appalled. Like th- that changed that whole series. Yeah, that was. I was actually at a concert across the street that night, and I was like following it, and I was like, and I was getting texts, and I'm like, it can't be that confusing. And then I, I watched the play, and I'm like. That is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, refresh my memory because it's been eight months. So it was like... The ball hit the he, wall, like bounced against he, the wall, and then he went and to he get went it, and he misplayed it, and it and hit off him into the, the seats. So I'm like, why doesn't a fielder, if someone's going to score from first, just pick up the ball and throw it in the stands? How exactly. is that any different? Exactly. Like, it's save like, a run. Like, people still point to the ground rule double in the 4 ALCS as, like, the yeah, moment Yeah, right that, in front of me. Ruined my life that moment. I, I still think Gabe Kapler guns down... Was it Tony Clark on the bases? Yeah, but that Tony, thing Tony was that thing was gonna roll. It was no, gonna make the whole Kapler, world around. Kapler, uh, all natural muscle. It was, was Tony Clark and Sierra hit it. Ruben Sierra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have thrown Tony Clark out. Come on, but that was at least what are you gonna do? The ball bounced and went over the fence. Yeah, the ground rule double rule can be dumb, but like that one was the dumbest rule. Like you are penalized because I screwed up. <laughs> right. it's amazing so if you have a guy in um, first right. and there's a that, ball that in the gap the why series. wouldn't you just pick it up and throw it in the stands essentially the same thing that happened and then be like oops yeah be like I didn't mean to do it <laughs> fucking yeah. crazy but anyway it's, that Red Sox uh, team no business getting as far as they did I cannot see I, I have their under win total this year I don't think they're a playoff team I think we're going to see this year what we should have seen last year I, I don't think they're good 
I mean, they have a hell of a lineup. Like, they have a really good lineup. Like, when you have Trevor Story sixth and, like, But that's because Kike shouldn't be hitting first. Probably not, but they don't really have a leadoff hitter. Kike Hernandez lost a combination of Kike because, well, Dave Roberts lost the the Shut up, 2018 World Series. We don't say, no, we don't so say bad he, he batted Kike third podcast. every game of that World Series against the Red Sox. And then he brings in Ryan Madsen every game like he thought it was 2009. But Kike was so bad. And, of course, he helps the Red Sox win that World Series, almost helps them win last year as a member of them. How is that guy batting first on the Red Sox? Well, I think they wanted Verdugo to do it, but he's not good at it. Verdugo, he likes he he's got the uh, the Ellsbury Clint Frazier dive unnecessarily for every ball. Like, just fucking stay uh, on your feet, man. I don't like looking at Alex Nick Verdugo. Swisher style. I don't like watching Alex Verdugo play. It's <laughs> it's a stressful endeavor, and he's going to be around for a while because he's the Betts return. So you can't get rid of the return right. of Mookie Betts and the but, Jeter guy, Jeter Downs. Let's yeah. see. Uh, I don't think he's very good. From what I I don't know. I don't. I, that's just a guess. Usually, a when usually when you trade a. Uh, future Hall of Famer for a bunch of shit. Usually that shit doesn't really amount to anything. Well, all they did get Gratterall at first and then gave him back because he didn't pass the physical. It's like the guy throws a million. He is he like was unbelievable for them last year. He's like throw, like the way you would play catch with your child right now. like Just like a soft little like toss. He does that and it comes out like 108. It's like, okay. <laughs> uh, you couldn't use that around uh, in the bullpen because they got the look at the Red Sox bullpen. You want to talk about the Red Sox having trouble this year. Like like, Matt Barnes was an all-star closer last year. Absolutely fell off a cliff in August and September. Yeah, they did not want to use him today. They're bringing out Robles. They're bringing out Deekman. They bring Robles out Cutter Crawford. Robles is so bad, and the Yankees can never hit that guy. How about the Rob- swing Stanton took with the one that bounced? Oh, where it bounced. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that was just a guess. That was, I, I could forgive that one. It was Do the, the Red Sox like, still have that guy from last year? He, he can't throw strikes, but when he, he just comes in the zone and just gets pummeled. What's his, he has a really odd name. Not Robles. No, no. Robles has um, no idea where it's going. I have to look this up quick. 2021. So we're, we're uh, talking in the bullpen arm? Yeah, he, he, he's like my favorite reliever. Uh, let's he, see every time had... he came in, rally right away. Oh, Phillips Valdez maybe? No, no. Re- really odd name. I, can't, I don't even think I'll be able to pronounce it. Um, oh, Darwinson. Oh, Darwin's in Hernandez. Darwin's in, he's not on the team anymore. He didn't. He didn't make the opening day roster. Actually, oh, okay. But well, we need a Darwin's in to. Um, we need him back on the Red Sox. Uh, it's just like you look at today. They were lucky to get to the ninth, to the tenth, to the eleventh. Like it was. It was. Yeah. They bring in was, Deekman. This, like that. Yeah, that he's go? the best too. Oh, when he came in, I was very happy. And the, yes, I'm. I. I watch an exorbitant amount of baseball for betting purposes, so I've seen a lot of Jake Diekman's career, especially when he's on Texas. And the yes guys are talking about him like he's fucking Sparky Lyle or Goose Gossage coming in. Right away, he throws a slider at middle Mayhew's knee. I'm like, this is who this guy is. He has no idea where the ball's going. Yeah, yeah, he throws really fucking hard, and he's lefty, and he has a weird motion, and it's kept him in the league a long time. He's the last person you want with like a guy in scoring position to be pitching. Yeah, and the guy Cutter Crawford who came in, I don't know, he's someone who made the roster. But like the point is, like the 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 parade of guys going in to try to save the game, where I don't know, like there's 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 going to be games lost like today, where it's right. close, where you need Garrett Whitlock to give you like seven innings of relief, and that's not going to work. So I feel like there's going to be a Garrett lot of Whitlock who the Yankees just let go in the four in the Rule Five draft. Just hey, we're not going to protect this guy. 
Whoops. They are they are fortunate that that who hit the home run off him Lemayhu, right? Yeah. Like like that was that was that was that was one that was only a home run in Yankee Stadium, right? Yeah. Two home runs. The they best. Were only I love that. And it's like if that didn't clear the fence and like Garrett Whitlock comes in and just slams the door with three scoreless innings and like five just strikeouts. Fastballs. Yeah. Well, he's good. Garrett no, Whitlock's good. No, he's great. He's he's good, but they got to him at the end of last year too in the regular season like for the first time all year he destroyed them all season i remember that um but yeah he, i mean he's great he's the best reliever by by far he is but he is you, the, i knew when it was like, a bullpen game today the yankees would have the edge unless boone fucked it up and to his credit he had to make a lot of decisions today in the bullpen and he made all the right ones i mean they have a lot of they have chad green they have jonathan lewisaga clay holmes um now they have miguel Castro. they have a lot of really strong arms so it's kind of hard to fuck it up you can interchange a lot of the pieces but once it got to the point where it calls out of all these out it was um, unless the yankees every batter just struck out which could very well happen they were going to win the game i guess it's a good point too is like okay, I say they have a good lineup. They scored three runs before they recorded an out, and then they manufacture one run in the middle of the game, and that's it. So Based off Red three Sox, ground balls that were hit like 20 miles an hour each. Yeah, and it's like you, you, you can't go into Yankee Stadium where obviously the home runs are flying out, like even in April, and right. manufacture one run from innings two through nine and expect to win when that's your pitching. So I think you're right. I don't know. I think the over-under is like 84 and a half. I feel like they're probably right around there. Like they're they're not a terrible team. Their lineup's too good to just completely blow and be out of contention. But I don't I don't see last year's miraculous run coming no, together again. I don't either. And I, I I do think that like what you just said about you know twenty seconds into the season, I'm thinking, holy shit! Like this is going to be a <laughs> bullpen really game for, for nine innings. But then it just turned the other way, and the Rizzo home run was obviously huge to get him right back into it. So you're not trying to grind away all game and then Stan hits the Yankee Stadium 358 wall scraper um LeMahieu gets the home run that's the only home run in Yankee Stadium and then they eventually win with the nonsensical automatic runner rule uh, you hate that yeah, too so, yeah I hate it it's awful I just, just play the I fucking game the right way I don't people are like oh it makes it end faster it's like well, no, not it didn't. Today, both it took teams score. hour and a half <laughs> like they should like if you get like flip a coin and like one team gets it in the 10th and one team gets it in the 11th like I, it, it's yeah. absolutely useless and like Cora said it last year. It was early in the season. They they got behind twice, I think, in the 10th and the 11th. They right. fell behind by a run. They came back and tied it, and then in the 11th, they won it with, like, two runs. And Cora was like, yeah, well, it's like when the other team scores, I'm not panicking. I'm like, we're yeah, going to score, score. two. We have a run on second and nobody out. It's, Unless you have Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks coming up who are automatically going to strike out, you're probably going to score that run. Right. And, like, look at, well, the Red Sox and the, the, Red Sox and the 11th with J.D. Martinez as the automatic runner. Followed by whatever they went down in order. It was ugly. But, like, look what won the game. Like, a chopper up the middle that's, like, a routine ground ball right. if the infielders are in a normal position. It's like, in a real baseball game, then you get to work at that point. And then you try to get a double play. You try to steal second. Like, there's actual baseball. Now it's just, like, get a single. I don't know. I, I'm not super passionate about it, but it seems like a dumb thing. Yeah, and the strategy, everyone says, oh, there's so much strategy. It's like, no, there's not. If you're the away team, you try to score as many runs as you can. <laughs> and if you're the home team and they didn't score, you just try to score a run run. Like, and nobody bunts either. Yeah, no one can bunt, so no one does that. So it seems, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's so much new strategy involved. No, no, there's really not. When they did it, when they introduced it in the World Baseball Classic, everybody bunted. And right. it was like, so it was like, you might as well start with a run around third and one out. But... <laughs> It's like just as unexciting when that happens. So I don't know. 
it's it's really just there's no. Thankfully, the seven inning uh, doubleheaders are gone because that's just even worse. That was a joke. That's men's league. That was right. that was a men's league. Like this and, game counts. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we can't keep the players at the stadium that much longer. Well, you're they're already there. If you're gonna play two more innings. It's gonna really like the innings aren't timed. It's not a it's not a hockey or or baseball or basket you know or hockey or yeah. football or basketball. Like one inning in a normal game could take an hour. So you have you know, the two innings could take three minutes. It could take three hours. Who knows? So it didn't make know. any sense. Maybe today is a good example of the the stupid rule working because like you look at the pitchers thrown into hyper pressure situations and like they're not getting out of it. So right, I guess you get, but like I don't know. I don't mind watching a baseball game. I guess no. it's like, do you like watching baseball or not? Usually, by the time you get to that situation, like only garbage is left in the bullpen because you've had to blow it to get to there. Right. Uh, but thankfully, Michael King on the Yankees, who's like. He's terrible as a starter, but as a reliever, he's he's awesome, and he was good today. So that was that was kind of the difference at the end. The Red Sox just ran out of people to go to after Garrett Whitlock. Yeah, no, it was it was ugly. Yeah, in the top of the eleventh, you had Verdugo struck out, Story struck out, Dahlbeck grounded out. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Yankees are just maybe they're a team of destiny this year. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, well, we'll end it on that. So that's a good way to go out. I like that. I like that. Yeah, finish. go Yankees. <laughs> all right hurley thanks again for taking the time to come on we'll do it again in july when they play again yeah <laughs> thanks all right thanks again to hurley for taking the time to come on talk yankees red Sox, talk extensions talk everything uh big weekend for the yankees like i said could have been bigger and now it needs to be a big week with the blue jays coming to the bronx for four games beginning on monday night that'll do it for today thanks for listening talk to you after monday's game